Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. To another edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford, AD. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's, that's how we normally start this thing off. AD Drew here this week. Uh, special guest Kelvin Carter sitting in the other chair. Brian is out, as Dr. Cavill likes to say. He's out on assignment. He's on the road. So I have to move over one chair, and I have to bring somebody to go sit in my chair. So I decided to bring my homeboy from St. Louis, Missouri, and Kelvin, my brother. How you doing today, man? Do I do you do a wellness check on you? Pretty <laughs> pretty good after the um, after the weekend down on the reservation. All in all, great experience being at home, uh, watching us for homecoming take on Texas Southern, who turned out to be a very formidable opponent. Yeah, uh, HBCUs of the state of Mississippi yesterday, one and two on homecoming. Why the heck did everybody schedule their homecoming on the same day in the state of Mississippi? You know, can you help me out with that one, brother? Well, I don't think that it was a planned operation. Um, I think also, too, you have to remember um, Alcorn opted out of the game play, which threw our schedule off. So potentially if the scheduling would have went on course, it would have just been two out of the three or possibly none. So there were a lot of factors there, but I, let's let's look at the gas uh, half full on this uh, upon on this point as opposed to half empty. What if we marketed everybody within a hundred mile radius of each institution just show up at that institution for that homecoming game? So that way you get eighty thousand people in Jackson, eighty thousand at Alcorn, eighty thousand at Mississippi Valley, and you have a tremendous exposure event for all of those young people to HBCUs. You know, that's why we bring you on, because you bring on a totally different perspective. Uh, you bring on the business and the educational uh, perspective into this. And uh, so before we get going, let's, uh, let me say hello to a couple of our people who we have on right now. Got uh, Walter Harley, Tambra T, Mary 305, David Garner, Franklin Kuntz, and Anthony Partee, some of the early people here and here on the BCSN Sports Wrap. Hey, whether you're early, whether you join us late, this is what we need you to do. We need you to hit, click that thumbs up, like, subscribe, follow, share, and if you're really feeling generous, you know, this is homecoming season. This is the season of giving, Kelvin. We need you to make a small, small <laughs> donation. 
to help keep this podcast going. We're not asking for a whole lot. We we not supposed to be like the president and actually write all the checks with commas in them. We take we take checks with cents in them too. But I need a good number in front of those cents though. At least a, a good single digit. I prefer a double digit in front of that cents. But I'll take what I can get right now, my brother. Hey, I concur. All right, there you go, there you go. And so let's start off right here, Kevin. Let's start off with your alma alma mater, the Alcorn State Braves. Uh, great, great shootout with Texas Southern game that came down to the wire. But truth be told, Texas Southern had control of that game in the fourth quarter. Took control of that game early in the fourth quarter. Alcorn made a good run there at the end. And unfortunately, you only get sixty minutes to play football. Unless you're tired, and that's what Alcorn tried to do with the late touchdown and then the onside kick at the end of the game. You were there live on the reservation, uh, Kelvin. Uh, t- tell us what you, what you saw down there in the reservation. Um, so, first of all, I saw a really strong defense on both sides of the ball. Uh, Alcorn played well on defense, strong on defense, but that predictability of their offense came out to be a sore point. So probably on a late drive going uh, in the second quarter, we gave up an interception on a guy that just read the route perfectly from Texas Southern and scored that touchdown. And that touchdown turned out to be the, the, the difference in that game. But that predictability on offense is becoming, you know, very challenging. Although the number the stats don't tell it, you know, the quarterback threw for 396 on, I believe, 23 or 48 passing, three touchdowns, but also he had three turnovers. And if you give the ball away in the swag, of course, it's hard to win. And then Howard also actually came out and had another amazing rushing game, you know, where he came out and did his job, 23 rush attempts, 135 yards, uh, about a six-yard uh, six per carry average. However, we're very, very predictable with, with not throwing vertical routes and a lot of hitches. So those are the things that I saw and, you know, that game management piece. So tough loss on homecoming. Um, here's something, an interesting fact, and one of the guys next to me said this, Texas Southern ran the five receivers set, I believe, 27 times. And Body, the quarterback for TSU, ran the ball out of the five receivers set 23 times for positive yardage. It was really interesting to see them, you know, leverage that. And those are the types of in-game adjustments that we're looking for to see if we can, you know, clean up some of those things moving forward, especially with Prairie View coming up next week on a Friday night uh, at Prairie we got Bethune Cookman coming in after that at Alcorn State University. And then on November 19th, of course, uh, Jackson State University uh, rolls into the residence for the last game of the season. Yeah, Andrew Body on the day had 22 rushing attempts uh, for a net of 79 yards. And when your quarterback leads your team in rushing attempts and you're not running the old Oklahoma Sooners wishbone offense, make, make sure you kind of stop and take pause there. Passing on the day, body was 12 of 20 for 97 yards, one touchdown, one INT, and was sacked four times. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Andrew Body did something probably that was not picked up on film, but obviously uh, Texas Southern had to pick up something on film to know that they could run body 20, 22 times in a particular ball game. Still there, Kelvin? Yes, sir. Oh, I, I lost you there for a moment. 
But yeah, I was just saying, uh, you know, they had obviously Texas Southern picked up something on film to know that they could run Andrew Body uh, that many times in a particular ball game because usually no one likes to put their quarterback in that type of jeopardy. Yeah, and he was really not in harm's way with any of those carries. It was like I said, they were in a five receiver set, so you're running off the DBs and basically without a spy in there to kind of control him and navigate where where he is at all times. That's the situation that he was in. So basically he was running like in a free field. Um, and I will say this. I believe if sacks count against your rushing total, then they do. he probably, yes, and he more than likely rushed for over 100 yards. Yeah. Well, they said he had a gain of 98, but he lost 19. And I'm assuming those most of those 19s came on those sacks that you are uh, currently talking about. Boop. Moving on to the other game in the state of Mississippi, <laughs> the game in the state of Mississippi. That's with two two E's as they like to do down there in uh, in Jackson, in Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson State Campbell game that was a lot closer than a lot of people expected, but the stats really do not tell the tell that particular tell how that particular game. When, uh, Kelvin, did you happen to get a chance to uh, catch any of this game? Yes, uh, that game, and when you really look at it, um, that team, Campbell, actually was a formidable foe coming out of the Big South. They were solid, and I, I do deem them as a really good pick for homecoming because they easily, not easily, they could have fallen to them, but it, it's kind of a measuring stick game as well because when I look at Campbell, although they're not a HBCU, they carry some, they're in that, they're in that realm because they're over there in the conference, I believe with Robert Morris. And uh, I don't know if A&T is in that conference as well, but they're yes. in a situation. Yes, that's their opponent. They are, they, yes. So I would love, I'll, I'll, I'll watch closely to see how Campbell uh, plays against A&T coming off the game with Jackson state kind of really look at how they function, but Led by a former NFL player, um, did a great job recruiting. And I actually think that that game will actually, that AT game should be close, closer than we think. And we'll get to uh, North Carolina AT in just a moment. Looking at the uh, box score of this particular game, uh, just lost my place there. Jackson State had seven more first downs than Campbell, uh, had 20 compared to. 13. Total total offense. Jackson State 411 yards. Campbell 247 yards. What what kept Campbell in the game? Uh one INT by Jackson State and one lost fumble by Jackson State. So that's what kind of kept Jackson State kept Campbell in the game. Also, something that kept Campbell in the game, Jackson State wound up kicking field goals against Campbell. In places where yes. they have kicked touchdowns against other teams, and one other thing, because I was watching uh, their game live, there was a, I believe it was a thirty-five or a fourth, a fourth and two. I believe it was a fourth and two, and Jackson State had just called a timeout, and excuse me, it was a fourth and goal. And then coming out of the timeout, Jackson State gets a false start which forces them to kick one of those field goals. So a couple of mental errors there by the uh, Jackson State Tigers there, Kelvin. 
Yeah, but when I look at it, I, I really look at the fact that this, this uh, the West Virginia transfer, nobody's talking a lot about Savion Wilkerson, but I'll say this, 24 yards, 116, I mean, 24 carries for 116 yards, 4.8 yards per carry um, with one touchdown. And then they got another 56 yards on 11 carries from uh, J.D. Martin. So, you know, you put together a solid balanced attack. They went for uh, 172 on the ground and 233 in the air. And uh, they the take away the interception, uh, we stalled, as well as, like you said, they kicked one, two, three, four, five field goals definitely in places where they uh, would like to score touchdowns. Now, another thing on the glass half full in the swag, we've known the challenges around the kicking game over the years. And so if you touchdowns in the space of those, the score probably stretches out to like a 21 point, you know, uh, win for the Tigers, but really strong um, showing there. And the field, and field goals will matter, especially as it gets a little – it won't get as cold here. we got about two more weeks here in the state of Mississippi and, um, before, it, you know, that temperature drops. But that will give them something to look forward to, that their kicking game is solid and can carry them in times when the offense kind of stalls. Yeah, uh, kicking game has been crucial. You know, that cost Jackson State a couple of times. Uh, well, it made some games last year a little bit closer than it should have been. If you go back to that spring season, it actually cost them a couple of times during the during the spring season. Now, we were talking about something off of the air. We were talking about the interception that Shadour threw in that particular game. And you made a point. Go ahead. I want you to bring that point up on air about that interception that uh, Shadour threw down there on the goal line. Um, it's the same one. I've seen it happen three times in the first three games. Um, and it's on a it's on a throw and a play, and it, it's almost like he checks into it, and it matches up. Um, and to me, in those situations, it, with uh, Wilk with Savion at the running back position, they would have been more enticing, I believe, if they were grounded and running the football at that point. However, with Bartolone and the air raid, um, I think they 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 trust this process down here, especially putting his putting his quarterback in tough situations where. You know, when everybody in the building is knowing you're going to run it and coming out and throwing the football, I think these are situations that um, you put him in and it makes it enhances his ability. And also, too, that the Aubrey Miller transfer has just been so impactful. He came out from the University of uh, Missouri uh, by way of Memphis. So he's added to a stacked deck, but he wreaks havoc all day long, which allows Jackson State to play that press coverage out on the outside and really – get up into you and uh, trust in the fact that they're going to get pressure on the quarterback. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. Let's move over to the BAC. Game of the week in the BAC. And this game, for all intents and purposes, may actually determine who gets to be the opponent in the Celebration Bowl, that being South Carolina State and North Carolina Central. In a very hard-fought game, South Carolina State edged out North Carolina Central in a game that went back and forth, back and forth. Uh, when, when you could sit here and look look at this particular game, I believe uh, trying to I'm going back to the uh, to the scoring in this particular game, North Carolina Central took the lead early. South Carolina State answered with 20 points in the second uh, quarter. Then. Central came back with another 10 points in the third quarter, but was were unable to get anything in the fourth quarter. And Jackson State was, excuse me, 
South Carolina State was able to add a touchdown. And then basically the defense showed up for South Carolina State down the stretch, uh, getting that big stop. And the one thing that I remember in this game sticking out before I even get into the stats in this particular game, Central was driving the ball late in the fourth quarter and pretty much ran the ball down South Carolina State's throat. The one time they decided to put the ball in the air, you get, you get it picked off in the end zone. And in a situation, he should have taken the knee in the end zone, but I think he wound up bringing it back out to maybe like the 10 or the 12-yard line. But in regardless, it was a turnover in the red zone when all Central needed at that point due to South Carolina State's lack of a kicking game was a field goal because South Carolina State had missed not one, but two PATs. Yeah, and that 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 was actually surprising that they ran the game, ran that um, through the ball in that situation because literally, I think as we're seeing with some of these defenses, South Carolina State is staunch, but I, we saw from North Carolina Central, you know, Latrell Collier ran for you know 140 yards on 16 carries. Davius Richard, the quarterback, carried the ball 14 times for 80 yards while throwing for 177. So you got 220 yards on the ground between your quarterback and your and your wide receiver. So uh, what we saw is something I think that coming back, if we do some foreshadowing towards a potential celebration bowl matchup, uh, I think just tossing the ball around, you know, um, might not be the option. We might, you know, they might go with the kid. Like I said, the transfer, you know, from West Virginia is, is, is incredible. And we'll, we'll see how that looks because I believe they found something against South Carolina state, which is a super tough across the board. You know, so we'll see how all this plays out. The, the question for everybody is, does anyone have a corner or a set of defensive backs that can match up with Shaquan Davis? Not only in the BAC, but in the SWAC. I mean, Shaquan Davis sits a good 6'5", uh, probably about 230 or so, somewhere up in that range. And, he single-handedly kept South Carolina in the, in that game. I believe he had three touchdowns on the day, if I if I recall that correctly, and had an additional yeah, touchdown called back. Touchdowns. Yeah, okay, yeah, two touchdowns. Yeah, and he had a third one that was called back on a uh, right. I believe it was a holding penalty. So, but you know, how they say you can't coach speed and you can't coach height. Well, Shaquan Davis has a little bit of both there for you, and he's a touch matchup for especially if you only got like five ten. Six-foot corners. Well, I think when you look at it, too, he was six for 116. He's averaging 20 yards per catch. And then their second guy, Kendrell Flowers, is 15 yards a catch, four for 58. Uh, I think they, they do put a unique set of circumstances there. But once again, um, when you start talking about that 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 rush coming from, like, the Aubrey Miller guys, you got a situation where we'll see this is a retooled situation. And I, and I think, too, remember – controlling the ball on offense is going to be one of the keys to the to success against South Carolina State because Davis is the real deal and they don't mind getting in the ball. Yeah, the uh, biggest thing I'll have, when you're back out the backfield, Kendrea Flowers is your second leading reception uh, person on your team, and he's not named uh, McCaffrey. Makes you kind of uh, stop and uh, think right there as to how they uh, – 
or Debo Samuel. Those those are the two that you think of as far as people coming out the backfield, being able to catch the ball in space and do some things. So makes you kind of wonder, okay, why why you can't put a man underneath and a man on top of Davis, spy, spy on flowers, and let somebody else beat you? And I think one of the comments in the, in the chat was, you know, them playing bump and run and press coverage with a group of a young defensive backfield against a guy who is hard enough to handle with two people on him. But if you're leaving him one-on-one just on sheer size and just putting the ball in positions where he can go and make a play on that football, I, th- I think would be a better scenario. Yeah, I mean, the, the man can catch the jump ball. He can catch the back shoulder fade. He can catch the ball going across the middle. It's, kind of, it's going to be kind of hard to figure out how to uh, how to deal with him. Hey, my brother, uh, before I stay on this uh, on this B-Gang, I forgot the last uh, homecoming game there in the state of Mississippi, and that was Bethune-Cookman and uh, Mississippi Valley. Bethune-Cookman getting its second no, was- win on the Go ahead. Yep. No, yeah, second win on the season. Yeah, and, and Valley. Here's the question. First of all, do you see a, a win on Valley schedule this season? Let's start off right there. Do you see well, where Valley can get a win? <laughs> well, I'm trying to see where they can get one because at this rate, I mean, they scored 21 points in the third and seven in the fourth. And, I mean – Obviously, they, they, they have Jalen Jones threw for 274 yards on 8-30 with two TDs. Uh, Quashon Bird, the wide receiver, 17 catches for 109. And, and then another uh, – no, I mean rushes. And then Jalen Jones also rushed for another 94 yards. So you – Valley, I said it last week after watching them up close, they're definitely not, uh, not what an 0-8 record is reflective of. But you're right. I'm, I don't know if I'm seeing a win which they might can eke one out against uh, Alabama A&M. The, the same Alabama A&M that's 3-1, that's one game behind Jackson State, is, is the team that, you, <laughs> that you're putting out there as a possible victory. I just want to make sure – I want to make sure we're on the same page right here. I just want to make sure, my brother. Well, the other <laughs> well, the choices are, are uh, you, you know, you got a situation. The other choices with the Valley are they either beat Southern or Prairie View. So, that, I give a better chance against Prairie View than A&M. And, and, and I'm really stretching if I'm giving them a chance against Prairie View. <laughs> That's what I was that, – that was, that was my <laughs> thought. So, I just – I probably just chose A&M in alphabetical order. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Guys. Hey, I'm going to take what I found unique about this game, though. And I watched part of this game because I, you know, it was great being at home on a Saturday afternoon and being able to just channel surf. Man, I had, let me see, I had one game on the on the TV in the bedroom. I had one game on the big screen in the living room. I had two laptops, my iPad, and my cell phone all going at the same time, like between that three o'clock and six o'clock hour, because. There were games on all over the place, and all of them were interesting. And I'm trying to figure out how to turn the sound down on this one because this one is interesting at this moment. All right, let me turn the sound down on this one to go back to this. But when I turned the sound up on the Valley game, what I found interesting was the fact that at, this was at the 645 mark. There was a 
98-yard kickoff return after a touchdown by Bethune-Cookman, Darnell Dees, a 98-yard kickoff return. This is after Valley had just scored on a five-play, 33-yard drive. So 15 seconds later, got a touchdown for Bethune. Then, 15 seconds after that, Kobe Bates say, I got you. I, I, I got one for you, too. He returns the ball 97 yards for a touchdown for the Valley. So, you, you know, within 30 seconds, you had three touchdowns between these two teams, two of them by Valley, one of them by, by Bassoon. You know, that was just for two teams that are pretty much the, the cellar dwellers in the SWAC East, you know, that was an exciting portion of the game. And there was also a, I believe it was a 90, a 97-yard interception return in the first quarter by Amari Hill. So a lot of defensive plays and uh, special teams plays that were just exciting for the fans there on homecoming, despite the fact that the Delta Devils took that loss there, Kelvin. Well, the other part, too, is, and it's a reoccurring theme across, I know, three games that I watched. The Braves game was a special teams anomaly in that both teams were very bad. Both teams, the punt game, all phases of it, defending the returns. It, it was it was just incredible to see the lack of the third phase of the game, you know, really being up to par. And it promoted some of those type fast drive, you know, like you say, coming right back, you know, right back behind it. And this is due to poor special teams, but. Yeah, and, and and it is what it is. A couple of the scores that I wanted to go over with, uh, uh, let's get these quick comments in before we move on to the, to the non-division one. Yeah, Tennessee State, 2-0 in the OVC. You know, they played their tough non-conference schedule. Couldn't get anything done in the, in the SWAC early. He even took that loss to Lane, but it looks like that loss to Lane has forced them to uh, – has made them refocus and they've opened the OVC off to a 2-0 start. Should be 3-0 after they play Murray State. They have a test in two weeks there in the OVC. Anything on Tennessee State sticks out to you, Kelvin? Well, well, what sticks out to me is what the conversation that we had early and we said we would actually have to look at, you know, when we rank the teams or when we have our rankings, is that how do we view them, via, you know, that they're going to play in this OVC. And right now they're third in the OVC. They put up 37 points yesterday on Eastern Illinois. Uh, this will be very interesting to see, you know, they scored three touchdowns in the second quarter. And, you know, on, you know, multiple, if you look at this, you know, the stats from the game, 309 yards, three touchdowns from their quarterback, you know, and, you know, in about, and three guys averaging roughly five yards of carry on the ground is, it's, it's interesting to see how it might show up and it, enough to say, where do they fall at in the whole grand scheme? If they win the OBC, do they, are they a qualifier for the FCS playoffs? Right. Speaking of qualifier for the uh, FCS playoffs, North Carolina A&T with a victory over Robert Boyce. Hey, let's be real. It's Robert Boyce. It's Robert Boyce. Robert Boyce is probably one of the worst teams in FCS. I'm going to put this into perspective for you, Kel. 
This is the same Robert Morris team that Delaware State beat, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? The same Delaware State team that lost to Howard. Not only did they lose to Howard on Howard's homecoming, but they got trumps by Howard on their on, on their homecoming. So you got fools going in the act with Delaware State. And then you got an A&T program who's doing pretty much what everybody thought they would do and going big in the Big South where the, ironically, the number one and number two teams currently in the Big South will face off next week for GHO. That's the greatest homecoming on earth for all those who don't know their acronyms at North Carolina uh, A&T. So Campbell getting more than his fair share of HBCU homecoming experiences with uh, two of them in a row. Uh, you know, with, with them having a brother as a coach and a former NFL player, I wonder if he kind of did that on purpose. Like, I didn't get to go to him when I was playing, but I'm just sure go enjoy me some homecoming now. Well, I think if we kind of, and I'm noticing a trend with the comments, if we look at this for what it truly is, and you look at the gentleman at Campbell, uh, got the job, done a tremendous job building the program there at Campbell, and, and you look at what's going on with uh, Eddie George, what's going on across the SWAC and the they The statement of rising tide will lift all boats has been used and kind of overused. But when you start talking about the economic impact of these scenarios and giving kids an opportunity that, you know, sometimes, and I asked, a, we had a, a hundred recruits on campus at Alcorn State University, and I asked the kid what he thought. And he said, well, I got offers from other places, he said, but I could really see myself playing here almost immediately. Like, it's not that it's going to be given to him, but he said there might be nine guys coming in at the same space at um, just say a Southeast Missouri State or somewhere else in the OVC. So when you think about what's going on, I, I think people need to really take a step back and look at like what's going on with the shift in culture and exposure. Uh, someone just commented, you had 60 minutes one week. Good morning, America, at the end of the week. And then leading into homecoming. Got co- and then you got college game day coming up uh, this week down uh, for Jackson State Summer game. But we'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. Right. So I think we have to take a step back. And, and the one thing that I have noticed about our HBCU comrades and all of those that are in the space, we get very, very emotionally charged about the institutions. And sometimes I think we have to take a global perspective and kind of look at that moving forward. All right. All right. Well, speaking of moving forward, Kevin, we, we're going to take this break right here. And when we come back, we're going to move forward and look at the non-division ones. We've got the CIAA almost sold up. We've got the SIAC almost sold up. We got Langston out there in the West just, just doing what they do. So when we come back here, we're going to break down the non-Division One schools. You're listening and watching the BCSN Sports Prep. A.D. Drew, Kevin Carter in for Brian Fulford. We'll be right back. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Hear the BCSM Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pre-Game Show, The Carlos Brown Show, 
the ONG Strike Zone and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Nope. Nope. Want him? Ooh, I like him. The Quicker Picker Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit. Hold the phone, man. You can do it yourself with Credit Versio. That's way too hard. Call the credit repair company. Most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time, making it slow and expensive. You won't figure that out for months. <laughs> Ignore him. Credit Versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus, finds the accounts that are hurting your score, and guides you through the entire process. Anyone can do it. Let's fast forward and see the results. <laughs> wow, I fixed my own credit and saved hundreds. You can do this. Visit creditversio.com. It's like a loot machine. Going around town, trying to get down. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Eddie Drew here, along with Kelvin Carter, sitting there for Brian Fulford, who's away on assignment this particular weekend. Uh, safe travels there, my brother. Safe travels. Checking in with some of the people who've come in since the first time we had our check-in, Kelvin. Got Israel Carey. Got Franklin Koontz. Uh, David Garner's here today. EA, my brother, my brother. Uh... Any Carrot Kafani is is here with us on YouTube. Just going up and down the, the comments right here. Lawrence is here. Sneaker Shop Talk is here. Of course, I already mentioned Tambor T, Very 305. So just, just keep those comments coming. Keep those comments coming. We, we'll get to you. I know Kelvin is doing a good job over there monitoring the uh, – Monitoring the chat, and I'm trying to do. I am trying to do the same. Let's let's get into some of the non-division one schools. Uh, let's start off with my alma mater there, Kelvin. My second alma mater, that being the Tuskegee Golden Tigers, who literally survived a game versus Lane. Uh, Tuskegee jumped out early. 
Lane had to lead at halftime, 17-14. Lane was up 24-21 after three. Tuskegee scored 14 in the fourth compared to Lane, seven in the fourth. And held on with a defensive stand as Lane pretty much just ran out of time, had to throw a Hail Mary there at the end of the game in order to secure the victory. So, Kelvin, uh, Tuskegee Lane, which which direction you want to go first on this one? Uh, we can go direction with Tuskegee going first. I mean, I think that they played at the Whitehaven Stadium with uh, roughly about 3,000 people in attendance, uh, like you said, with little promotion around that. But, uh, hey, Tuskegee's 6-2 and two overall, 5-0 and oh in the league. Um, looks like a really, you know, strong showing. They're on the road, actually. You know, so I, I think that that's a – that's a game changer, you know, with the way that it kind of played out for them. I think they did a good, they did a good job. I, w- I wouldn't necessarily call 3,000 people a hostile environment, but, you know. You talk about 3,000 people in Memphis. That's a hostile environment, my brother. Oh, okay. I, I'm just checking. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I like what I saw, you know, especially in terms of what they did, what they were able to accomplish. And, you know, overall, like I said, I just think they did a, they did a good job on the road. Yeah. You know, what quarterback threw for 18, you know, and ran for another, you know, ran for another 40. So I, I think you guys, Williams, Williams, quarterback. yeah, Russell Williams, I, I think you guys are in a, in, you know, in a good space. And then your running back rush, you had two guys, one guy rushed for uh, 138 and another guy rushed for 100, you know, so yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, uh, Tareen Taylor is the uh, is the top rusher uh, for Tuskegee, so he's uh, he's doing pretty good. That one thirty eight one hundred was uh by Lane. That was uh Kalen Kalen Doom and Michael Huntley. Michael Huntley won the leading rushes in the SIAC. Uh, Ike Brown won the leading pass catchers in the SIAC. Also, did not catch a pass on the day, which I find rather rather. Interesting. Excuse me. Ike Brown won lead rushes on the day. Uh, Huntley is the quarterback. And the quarterback ran for 86 yards and also passed for 202 yards, that quarterback there being Huntley. What I find interesting, though, about Tuskegee is Coach Reginald Ruffin, and I've known Coach Ruffin for at least 15 years, pushing 20 years. And Ruffin, former linebacker coach at Tuskegee, former defensive coordinator, at Tuskegee, uh, former head coach there at Miles. The one thing that he's always been prided on is his defense. I don't know if it's because this is his last year. He said, hell, I'm going to have some fun. Reginald Ruffin teams, whether he's been the coordinator or been the head coach, has never been the team that was just there going to outscore you. But Tuskegee right now in the SIAC is doing exactly that. They are just outscoring people. In this six-game winning streak that they had, that they've had, they've had five games where they've had over thirty points in those games. Two of those five, they scored over forty points. And not saying that Tuskegee's offense is not like that, but that's just never been a staple of a Coach Ruffin's team. Coach Ruffin usually winds up in the twenty. But here's the thing about it, though. Right now for the season, Tuskegee's averaging twenty-eight points per game, but they're giving up. 27 points per game. And that's usually what you see Tuskegee had a difference or Coach Reginald Ruffin uh, 
uh, coach team has a difference is the is the margin from the offense to the defense. So maybe Coach Ruffin realized, hey, my last year, my defense is not going to be as good as I would like it to be. Won't have time to build it. So we're just going to air this thing out, and we're going to just just have to outscore people. And it's going to be interesting if Tuskegee should win the SIAC West, how they're going to go against those uh, defenses there in the SIAC East, primarily Benedict, as it looks like Benedict is, is all but wrapped up the SIAC East. Uh, moving on, let's let's stay in the West. Uh, Kentucky State with a dominating performance there on yesterday as – just lost my place on my school. Lost my, lost my page on onadan.com. But Kentucky State picked up uh, the victory on on yesterday against – give me a second. 41-42 against Allen. Kentucky State, uh, what was that score again, Kelvin? 41-22 versus Allen. 41-22. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Kentucky State. No, uh, check that. That was against Miles. 41-22 against Miles, uh, Kelvin. Going into Miles on yesterday. And speaking of Allen, Allen picked up their first win on yesterday. They beat Bluefield State on yesterday, and they opened up a can. On Bluefield mm. State, I believe they put up 51, 50, 50 to 14 against the Bluefield State, a team that we and most polls had ranked at one point in time in the season. Great to see Allen pick up their first victory on the season. Uh, looking back at that Allen game, it's kind of easy when your opponent turns the ball over five times at Kelvin to put up 50 points against them. Just want to throw that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just got to throw that out there. Uh, so what it brings up in the SIEC West is basically the showdown this weekend in Frankfort, Kentucky, as Tuskegee travels to Frankfort to take on Kentucky State. Uh, Kentucky State with one loss in conference this season, but they'll be going up against an undefeated Tuskegee team. Kentucky State defeats Tuskegee. They will be tied in the conference standings with Kentucky State owning the tiebreaker going into the last week of the season. As Kentucky State will have Central State the last week of the season, Tuskegee has Miles. Tuskegee defeats Kentucky State. They have sewn up the SIAC West, Calvin. What what, what are your thoughts about the SIAC West? So I like where they stand, and I just got one question because I don't know the formality of it. When they play, when they win this, when they play the conference championship, what's the next step for those teams? Uh, and I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I took a look at the projected regional rankings, and if you go to inkblotsports.com, that's I-N-K-B-L-O-T sports.com, and go down to Super Region 2 under the football ranking. And they do a very good job of breaking down the Division 2 rankings. And they're almost 95% spot on with what the NCAA comes out with. They have three of the top 10 teams in Super Region 2 coming out 
of the, excuse me, four of the top 10 teams coming out of the SIAC. And if you notice that six of the top 10 in Super Region 2 are HBCU schools. And I'll quickly go down mm. for those. We, talk, we talked about this earlier this morning on Dr. Green's inside the HBCU Sports Lab. You got Benedict currently sitting at number two. Right. You got Virginia Union, number four. Fort Valley, number six. Albany State, number seven. Tuskegee, number nine. Fayetteville State, number 10. What does that mean? Benedict, all they have to do is win. They're in. They're hosting, they're hosting the play, first round playoff game. They, they need a little bit of help so they can jump up above Delta State so that they can get their first round by. Virginia Union in, try to hold on so that they could get a first round game at home. Be careful. I've seen it happen before. Be careful. They may, they may bump Wingate on that last poll because Wingate is the one team that's sitting right there behind them. Uh, and just, just so I can go over it, Delta State is one, West Florida is three, Wingate is five, and Tusculum is eight. Those are the uh, other teams in the top ten that we left off. Fort Valley, Albany, Kelvin. You know they beat Week 10 in the Fountain City Classic. Benedict wins Saturday. Their hopes of winning the SIAC East is over. But that makes their Fountain City Classic even more important. The winner of the Fountain City Classic in Columbus, Georgia, on November 5th, should be into the playoffs. I say should because we've, we've seen crazier things happen to, our, to these teams. Now, the number nine team, Tuskegee. Should Tuskegee went out and happen to defeat Benedict in the SIAC championship game, Tuskegee will become the preferred qualifier with the earned access. What is earned access? If you don't follow D2 football, you don't understand, you may not understand this concept. To qualify as earned access, you must A, win your conference championship, which Tuskegee could do by defeating Benedict in the conference championship game, and be ranked nine or higher in the final regional rankings. If you happen to be in that situation, you are automatically in the playoffs. If you're at eight or nine, you will bump the team number seven out. That's why I say Albany State and Fort Valley should be in because if one of those teams happen to be at number seven and Tuskegee defeats Benedict, Benedict will still be in, but Tuskegee could bump out the, that, that other HBCU being Albany State or the Albany State Fort Valley winner. We saw this, I believe this was either 2017 or 2018 when Virginia State was in. Virginia State was sitting in the number seven spot and Miles upset Albany State in the SIAC championship game. Miles got in under the earned access and not Virginia State out. So we wound up trading HBCUs on that particular day. For, Bay for Fayetteville State sitting at number 10, once again, an earned access situation. Fayetteville State wins out, defeats Virginia Union in the CIAA championship game. Fayetteville State would get in under the earned access as they should finish uh, nine or higher. 
Benedict will probably still get in. They'll probably go on the road instead of being at home. But the question, once again, is who would they bump out? Now, here's the interesting scenario, Kelvin. Let's say Tuskegee and Fayetteville State win the conference championship game. Now we're gonna have a little bit of now we're gonna have a little bit of chaos because now you lose number six and number seven potentially due to the earned access because they they will qualify as conference champions under the earned access clause. So I hope I didn't nerd out for you there, my brother. You know when you start talking these stats and and numbers and things like that, sometimes I nerd out for you. Oh no, it's it's always good because people have to understand it. And what I really like about this, too, as, as I've learned more about the other divisions at uh, CIAA and the SAIC, is that now that I see those rankings, that's pretty that's pretty good work institutions at that D2 level. Because if you look at two, four, six, seven, nine in that ranking, and that means a, a team that's here in Mississippi. And 10. That I've seen, and 10. That team that I've seen, like Delta State, I'll get a chance to see, like, okay, well, let's see how this works out when it's time for them to all bump heads against one another and see how that works. Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna it's gonna be really interesting to see how this bumps how this works out. And the one thing is we won't we hope all of these teams continue to win so that we can force the those who vote to make some tough decisions. That's that's what you want to do. Don't let's not make it easy for them. Let's not make it easy for them. Speaking of another playoff team, uh, potentially, Kelvin got the Lance Alliance out there in. In Langston, Oklahoma, who won in overtime this past weekend over Ottawa of Arizona. Ottawa of Arizona came into this game ranked number 17 in NAIA. And for those of y'all, please, please, please do not sleep on NAIA football. NAIA plays on quality football and I'm be honest with you. A lot of these NAIA teams have come through and beat some of these D2 teams and some of your lower FCS teams. So don't sleep on NAIA football. I mean, the, the biggest thing between NAIA and D2 is, besides the scholarship differences, is there are a little bit lower academic standards for some of these players to get in. So some of those kids who may have been marginal, uh, can get into some of these NAIA programs and still make it to the league via the NAIA program. But looking looking at the this Langston Ottawa game, Langston okay, Kelvin. I don't know what happened to the defense in this game. Langston five hundred thirty five <laughs> yards of offense. Ottawa of Arizona four hundred and twenty eight yards of offense. I mean, last time I checked, that's that's nine hundred and fifty three yards of offense, man. I, I, I don't know when the defense is rested right here because this was just like going up and down, up and down, up and down. The one thing that uh, hurt Ottawa of of Arizona, they had they had one interception and they lost two fumbles on the day. So th- uh, three turnovers compared to one turnover for Langston. And whenever you got a game with this much offense and you give the other team extra opportunities, that's a – that's a formula for a loss, my brother. Anything that you see in this particular yeah. game? I really like it. Uh, that uh, the Ottawa team, high-powered offense, and I, I think sometimes too, when you get some kids out there that you we oftentimes associate high scoring with lack of defense, but I venture to say it puts a little bit more pressure on a team when you're going to put up points 
and leave the defense out there a little bit more. So I, I think, you know, as we kind of study and have that conversation about why these scores are just running this high, I just think you got, you know, you got a situation where this is, you know, this is what it is. It's, it's we're going to put up points and then we're going to at some point, um, you know, dare these other teams to, you know, to stop us. And that's what we are seeing. Langston at six and one looks very impressive. Yes, yes. As they uh they took that hard loss on last week and they tried to get themselves back in. Right now, if the playoffs were to occur today, they would probably be just on the outside looking in. But they had the beat of their schedule ahead of them as they had their toughest opponents uh upcoming. And you know, how can we forget about the other undefeated HBCU that we have out out here. We've all, we've talked about Benedict. We've talked about Virginia. Excuse me. We talked about Jackson State. Talked about Benedict. Let's let's talk about Virginia Union right there. And this kid named uh, Jada, I believe, Byers. Jada Byers, man, still on pace to uh, hit two thousand yards. May hit it in the in the Virginia State game. What a, what would that mean if he hit that in a rival game? But if he doesn't hit in the Virginia State game, he could definitely hit 2,000 yards in the CIAA championship game. And for those of y'all who do not know, and here I go nerding out again, CIAA championship game counts on his season total stats. And any game that he goes into the playoffs could potentially count on his stats. So if Virginia Union were to make a run, we could see Jada Byers running for 2,500 yards. And possibly the way this brother been running, if they get to the championship game, could you believe this man can run for like 2,800 yards on the season, my brother? Yes. It, it, that, 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 and, and that alone I'm saying is that is that good uh, level of football that we're seeing at, the, at these other levels. And they're undefeated. You know, put up good total, 17 in the first half and scored another 28 in the second half. And I mean, really, you know, put up some really good numbers with, you know, about 2,100 in attendance. So uh, I'm anxious to study more over the off season as to, you know, what these, uh, what's the word I want to use for it? The capa- stadium capacities versus people at the games. I'm, I'm really interested in looking and seeing that because, yeah, that, that Jada Byers, 40 attempts for 200 yards or 40 attempts for 187 net. At that it, it with a 27 yard long and four TDs, you know, and in a very efficient uh, game from Jakari Grant, you know, 17 to 25, 236, one one touchdown with a 49 yard long in there. So you you actually have some pieces in there that will that are consistent with really really good football. Yeah, in Division Two football, there are one, two, three, four. There are five. There are six running backs that have gained over 1,000 yards thus far this season. Sitting at number five on the list is Emmanuel Wilson of Fort Valley State with 1,031 yards. But sitting at number one is Jada Byers, 1,560 yards on, on the season through eight games. That's 195 yards per game. And trying to do some quick math here in my head. He is 267 yards clear of number two, who is T.J. Cole of Wachita Baptist. 
that's in Arizona, not Arizona, in Arkansas, I do believe. So let, let's put this into perspective. Jada Byers does not have to run the ball the next game and a half and would still be leading Division Two in rushing. Oh, did I say Division Two? My bad. We'll be leading all of college football. That's Division One, FCS, FBS, Division Two, Division Three, and NAIA in Russia. Any any uh any last things you want to get out here on the Division Two level right now? No, just really enjoying uh, learning more about this level of football. Always familiar with the com the names that stick out to you. You know, learning a lot about these, and also looking forward into transitioning and, and seeing how these schools also. Uh, compete and compare when we get into basketball season. So this is a good, interesting transition as we close, you know, get closer to the end of football, but towards that fun time of the playoffs and and bowls and celebration bowl. So we're going to really see, you know, what this looks like and how our landscape is transitioning with this, you know, reinvigoration uh, or rejuvenation of the historically black college and university experience and exposure in, in the network space. All right. And we are getting ready to Take a a small break, and when we come back, we're going to bring on the dean of HBCU HBCU sports, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, and we're going to get into talking a little bit more about about these playoffs. We're going to get into some rankings and get to some other news and notes here, as far as our HBCUs are concerned. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Amy Drew here, Kevin Carter said there for Brian Fulford. We'll be right back after these messages. You see, Head & Shoulders has a scalp shield technology protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield. Never not working. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillars of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is always Ultra Thin's reinvented with the always triple protection system. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. 
Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Round Table, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way. You consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like really loves. Nope. Nope. Want him? Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit. Hold the phone, man. You can do it yourself with Credit Versio. That's way too hard. Call the credit repair company. Most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time, making it slow and expensive. You won't figure that out for months. <laughs> Ignore him. Credit Versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus, finds the accounts that are hurting your score, and guides you through the entire process. Anyone can do it. Let's fast forward and see the results. <laughs> wow, I fixed my own credit and saved hundreds. You can do this. Visit creditversio.com. It's like a loot machine. All around town, we're trying to get down. You see head and shoulders? Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Eddie Drew here along with now Dr. Cavill. You know, Dr. Cavill, everybody loves the backup quarterback, so uh, got, got to put you in the Well, we, we tried to find a backup quarterback. You know, we had Kelvin came in. He got he got some snaps early. We're going to let you come in and mop up duty and see if you can, uh, see if you can at least earn that number two uh position right here on the sports rap, you know, my brother. How you doing today, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yes, I'll try to make sure I clean it up well so I don't lose my pen and pad, you know, on the sideline. <laughs> well. 
you know, and yeah. you, you, you you can do like the Cowboys, I guess, to take it away in terms of their back end and getting it straight for Dak going, what, four and one, three and one? Uh, that yes. makes sure that you're on the sideline that you get to keep the pad and pen for a couple of years and earn that solid paycheck for just sitting over there. I just want the solid paycheck, so I'm good with that. There you go, there you go. What what we I also want to say about the intro. Okay. You know, I thought we had one of the better intros, but I, I'm starting to be like, man, y'all intro is kind of nice too. It get, it get me getting ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the only thing I like about you is the one thing I like about you is you, you got somebody rapping over yours and uh, doing their singing over yours. So we both got our own little creativity and our own little style and everything. So. Hey, it is what it is. The, the, the important thing is our intro is good enough for people to actually come back and, and finish watching the show, Doc. That's the most important thing about that intro, though. <laughs> you were saying about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. Let's let's get into this uh, this article uh, by Stan Beckton, uh, Stan Beckton of NCAA.com. And he dropped this article this morning, actually this afternoon at 12.33 on Saturday, October 29th, ESPN's College Game Day preview show. We're headed to Jackson, Mississippi for the Southern matchup versus Jackson State. For Southern's matchup versus Jackson State. October's 29th game will mark the first time Jackson State has hosted College Game Day. It marks the second straight year that HBCUs have been on College Game Day after 2021's MEAC SWAC challenge between North Carolina Central and Alcorn State was on the show last year. Beckton goes on to write, the last time an HBCU hosted the show on campus was November 15, 2008, when the show went to <clears throat> Tallahassee, Florida, for Florida A&M's 45-24 win over Hampton. The only other times HBCUs were on college game day was in 2013 when North Dakota State hosted Delaware State in a 51-0 win in 2005 and when Grammar State beat Southern 50-35 in the Bayou Classic. That was uh, in 2025. So, Dr. Cavill, no one can break this down like you can. Not, Not only do I want you to get into the cultural aspect of HBC, uh, college game day coming to an HBCU campus. But I want you to get into the business side of it also and what this could mean down the line, not only for the two institutions playing Jackson State and Southern, but for some of our HBCUs in general and specifically within the SWAC. Yeah, great, great lead in. Uh, one of the things I want to add, a great uh, homework done by the NCAA a writer there um, breaking it down. I would say those first two that he talked about in 2005-2008 would be pre-Celebration um, Bowl. Uh, you did have the MEAC SWAC Challenge when they brought in uh, game day uh, for the North Carolina Central Eagles and the uh, Alcorn State Braves matchup You know, a couple of years ago. Um, that was significant and big in terms of that. Uh, this is uh, huge and extremely significant when you talk about the financial aspects of it. You know, you bring uh, one of the uh, highest ranked Saturday morning shows to your city, uh, to your college uh, campus area, if you would. It's significant in terms of the influence 
of how many eyeballs will be in regards to the fans. And we know what the fans look like in this particular framework for the institution. And that is not shown on television very often. So it becomes extremely important uh, to see uh, that and what does it mean in terms of financial wherewithal. So it is going to be um, very important for the Southern fans and Jackson State fans that will be there. Many of them will be there as early as Thursday. Some will even sneak in maybe Wednesday. But as you know about that matchup, they'll be there early and they'll be in strong, starting to tailgate with their RVs, checking into their hotels, going to restaurants, if you would, in regards to make sure they quench their thirst and their hunger, um, as well as the bars. Uh, but they also need to make sure that they're early Saturday morning uh, with the colors um, that you don't have to tell Jackson Spade and Southern fans. They wear their colors, much like you see with FAMU, um, a couple other programs around the country in terms of HBCUs that represent, as well as the SWAC, MEAC, S-I-E-C-C-I-A-A. Uh, but they need to make sure that they are there with their signs, making their statements, so there's a great representation such that they may be back to some HBCU campus uh, in the near future, uh, and it won't take as long uh, because of the brand of HBCUs, the SWAC, MEAC for that matter, right? And so when you start looking financially what this means for the impact, we've already heard in terms of the financial impact Jackson State has had on the city. So now you multiply that, if you would, in a multiply, multiplicative effect in terms of what that does, and it becomes significant. So you're talking about millions of dollars. Uh, the next step is to get those businesses, if you would, to make sure that they're repatriating some of that money directly to Jackson State, and more importantly to the athletic program uh, with Ashley Robinson, and even more so uh, to the football program led by Coach Prime uh, to make sure there's a direct influence in regards to continue to grow. One of the things that we can get in trouble with our programs is uh, when we have a chance for um, our programs to do well, whether it's winning a homecoming, right, winning a big robbery game, is not being in a place where we prepare to ask uh, the fans, uh, oftentimes, which are also alumni, uh, businesses to uh, reciprocate in terms of financial support. So our institutions need to be prepared for these big-time games, these big-time events, whether it's GMA that you saw last week uh, coming into town, uh, those interviews that you've seen in terms of 60 minutes is to make sure that when you get the limelight that you prepare to financially ask your benefactors to say hey we're doing great things you can see this now based on uh corporations and institutions coming to us and showing our presentation so that's when you need to be in a position with a letter going out to your stakeholders to talk about hey look what the great things we are doing this is a great time to support us these are the plans we have moving forward, right? And this is what we, our project, we want you to support. So write the check, right? And we need to condition our folks to be in position to do that. So it's not so much as you see talking about that GMA is here, but what does this mean to your brand and to financially? Are you uh, writing additional checks because you see the work that is going? Just to say, that Good Morning America came and provided extra light is not going to help Jackson State as much as it could if you're writing a check in addition to that. If you see 
Jackson State on 60 Minutes and they're talking about the swag and you're writing checks in addition to what you do because you're excited about the great work. That's how you reinvest in your program in the sustainability that they place. If you don't do that, it becomes a blip. It becomes the de facto high mark and things start to go down, which is what we're like outlier marketing sales, right? And it becomes an outlier versus the sustainability is still on the incline with new projects, meaning people get excited and you continue to see the work. So in marketing, we look at this in terms of the life cycle, right? When you talk about the life cycle of a product or a service, right? When you, you do all your homework at the beginning, your design is what a lot of folks, do. then you take it to market and it starts to sell. Well, if you're fortunate enough and things go well and you get, you know, uh, individuals, some of those key folks that you talk about, Michael Gladwell, that talks about the star folks, the Mavericks, that go in and really take this to the next level, you get the spike. And all of a sudden, in this Maverick, in this case, is Coach Prime, right? This Maverick, in this case, for the conference, is Dr. Charles McCullen. So you get this spike. How do you ride that spike and make sure it continues to go up? And even if it does start to level out, right, I'm looking at the illustration to make sure you understand, it's almost like a roller coaster that goes up and comes down. The question is, is how much of the height can you have on the roller coaster and how much can you extend the length of that ride while it's at its height before it comes down, right? And then you can introduce another product uh, if you're really good with your businesses and you always have a product on the what? The high cycle. And that's what you see with these Power 5 programs in terms of what that looks like. So I'm just making sure that our fans understand the business, that we cannot be in a position where we're just excited to hear that HBCU game day is coming to us. And, and the bragging point that you have is to say, Jackson State had this first, or FAMU had this first, or Southern and Grambling had this first. Um, that is the myopic framework of somebody that is new to the business of sport. You have every right to have it, so it shouldn't be a surprise, and you shouldn't be bragging to suggest that you had it first. What you need to be is working the magic of what you justifiably have the at your fingertips because you earned it. Now it's about sustaining it. Not being excited because it has, and you can check it off on the box and put it in a folder somewhere talking about you with a first. That's for folks that uh, don't quite understand the business of sports. Now it's about elongation. How do you make this move forward in such a way that it is sustainable, right? That That is the innovative uh, mindset of somebody in organizations that have that. And that's what I've seen in a lot of ways with Ashley Robinson, um, Charles, and, Coach, and certainly uh, – Coach Prime, he's done that for many moons. But I need to make sure our fans understand how to make sure that they're opening up their wallets, right, their pockets, their hearts, and giving financially. And I'm not here to tell you how much to give. That's based on you doing the analysis of what is in your budget. But I'm saying that you must give, and you must give routinely, and it has to be above and beyond just buying a ticket. Um, it has to be above and beyond um, just making sure that you are traveling to see your team. It has to be significant in regards to regular support of your program, whether it's academically or athletically. I would hope it's a little bit of both in terms of the sustainability of where you want to go 
uh, with both athletics and academics in terms of your institution? Uh, a couple things I wanted to chime in on, uh, Dr. Cavillo, on your monologue there. Uh, double one, you talk about support, and this is just a personal pet peeve of mine. I've just I've been just as guilty of the past as the next brother, but the T-shirt man, unless he got that silver that that, that silver sticker on there that says NCAA officially licensed, I doubt very seriously the T-shirt man is giving back to whatever institution that you're going. So please, only buy officially licensed merchandise when y'all going through because everybody gonna have all kinds of designs now. You can buy the other designs, you know, uh, HBCU and whatever. But if it's something that says Jackson State, Southern, or whatever institution that you are that you are from, please make sure that it's a licensed product so that that, that license fee goes back to the institution. Because I, I, I found some great HBCU sh- uh, shirts, you know, uh, HBCU alumni. Uh, got one that says... Uh, Black educators or the culture. I picked that up in a football game. But notice what it didn't say. It didn't say family rattlers or the culture or or Southern Jaguars or the culture. It said black educators. The, the stuff that I got that says family, Alabama State, Albany State, everything else, had that little sticker on there. And, and I had to change that mindset a few years ago once I really got into the business side of athletics and realized how much those, you know, those marketing agreements mean to the university. Buy your stuff at the bookstore. Buy, you can buy it at Walmart because if it's at Walmart, it's officially licensed. Don't, nothing wrong about it at Walmart, Kohl's, or some of those other things because that means at some point in time, it was officially licensed merchandise. That's number one. Now, Very number good. two, Doc, I'll, I'll, I want you to bring it this. You talk about some of the, the people there and some of the factors there. Two things I want you to hit upon. Number one, college game day following Good Morning America. How much does this bring into light some of the circumstances that are going on there in Jackson? Yeah, we know we, know we had the water crisis earlier this year. Remember a few years ago, we had the uh, infrastructure problems. Uh, they're talking about a new stadium there in Jackson. So, these type of events, how much does that bring to light some of those some of those other issues and opportunities for the city of Jackson and Jackson State University? That's uh that's question number one. Before I even get into two, I'm gonna let you hit I'm gonna let you hit that one, then I've got one more that I want you to hit on. Usually it can bring some light. Um usually good uh news stations they'll at least ask the question. And I think Coach Prime has done a really relatively good job of making sure that he talks about the resilience of the people in Jackson and how they want the support and how he hasn't seen the support when you talk about other cities that may not have the large population of African-Americans or Blacks, Americans, whichever term you prefer. Um, But I think one of the problems that you have, and again, is sustainability. How do you change uh, a discussion into action? Um, And that's one of the things that I continue to push the narrative on is we must uh, transition from just talk. Um, I love social media. I'm on it. I'm engaged. But we have to get past the the need to discuss to death, if you would, 
for likes and subscriptions, the idea of just the social media platform to talk, to hear yourself talk. It needs to transition to action. Where are you gathering a group of people to put your thought processes into some uh, action, conservative action, if you would, in regards to that? Whether it is to help the water crisis, whether it's from a uh, political perspective where you actualizing people to go vote, uh, whether you out there making sure people are educated in terms of what took place actually in the wider crisis, what is the historical framework, how this is similar to Flint and other places uh, when you talk about this action takes place, uh, where is the actual responsibility from a you know local, uh, state, and or federal uh, framework about what took place in Ultimately, it's about financially, how do you support those folks in need as you're talking about this, but how do you move forward uh, where you transition from just talking points to actual action and what that looks like. And so that is extremely important. One thing to close back on your previous statement in regards to understanding the importance about licensed vendors, it does two things. One, obviously, you know, financially, the licensed vendors has to pay back money to the university. One of the best programs out there for the longest I've seen is Florida A&M that has put a concerted effort, one, to stop vendors, and two, to make sure that they've educated uh, to, as much as possible and probably could still always do better about its um, FAMU constituency, the importance about buying licensed vendors. So I used to talk about that in my class with FAMU in terms of our sports marketing, sports brand awareness about the licensing and how FAMU compared to the larger institutions. And I won't give a number because sometimes we get caught up in saying our institutions are doing better. But I will tell you this, as you would imagine, there's a large gap. But the importance is, is FAMU has gotten to the table and other ones are starting to come along, but they've had the highest percentage of HBCU in terms of the financial numbers that they've gotten from licensed apparel has been better than any other HBCU program that was at least um, written in terms of the uh, the information that I received from the research to talk to our students about that. So it's extremely important to put those things together and understand, again, it's going to be talking about the action versus um, not understanding just the talking point. Yeah. Other question I have for you, Doc. Uh, we all know something. You've probably got the two teams right here who travel probably the best within the SWAC. Southern travels very well. We know with Jackson State, how Jackson State travels. They just happen to be coming together in Jackson, Mississippi this weekend. Especially this when they're winning. Uh, especially when both of them are winning. And uh, you talked about it this morning, what the SWAC championship game ramifications are of this particular game. Uh, because if Southern happens to win this game, and then both teams went out from that point, that means the SWAC championship game is on the bluff versus if uh, Jackson State wins and even if Southern continues to win out, Southern will return to Jackson for the SWAC championship game. But I really want to hit on something with the business community. And let me put a caveat before you move that forward because it's important. We're basically saying if both teams have the same record, so yes. let's say they already have a loss. Um, obviously, Southern has a loss and uh, Jackson State is undefeated. So if Southern beats Jackson, they would have one loss. So let's say oh. they end the season both at 7-1. and one. Um, Well, the home game of the 
championship goes to the team with the best record. Well, they're tied. So the second tiebreaker is if there is a head-to-head contest, who had the head-to-head win? In this case, obviously, Southern would have the head-to-head win over Jackson State. Therefore, they would host the championship game. And so this game is extremely important. And you also have this fact. Uh, Alabama A&M, which I'm you're not saying that Alabama would beat Jackson State head-to-head, but they hadn't played. you got to play the game. So, and the game's in Mobile. Right. And so you have the case, obviously, uh, if Jackson State wins. And even if A&M loses another game, if they beat Jackson State in a head-to-head, they would have the same record, but they would have the head-to-head tiebreaker. And therefore, Jackson State, in that case, wouldn't even make a championship game. Now, that's pretty wild thinking. But I'm sharing you the understanding of why this game is just as important or more important than we normally think about it as just being a rivalry game. It has a lot of implications of how the season will end in terms of what it looks like for a championship. Israel Carey just chimed in. There will be no seats left at the vet on Saturday. I'll go ahead and take that vet Israel with you, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking the over on, on, on that. But uh, what I was getting back to is, uh, yeah, the business community there in Jackson, and uh, I, I quickly that you hit on, on this point before we go to break. Uh, one thing that I, I, I've noticed, when you have this influx of people into a, into a community for, for an event, Sometimes certain, certain businesses aren't ready, and even if they're ready, they tend sometimes not to welcome the other people. But and I and I was a small business owner at one point in time, and I and I used to preach this. Yeah, this one event may be stressful, and it, it may tax our capacity to be able to handle whatever product or service that we may have. But chances are. Those people who are coming in for that Saturday or whatever that event is will visit our city on another time. So it's my it was my job as a small business owner to make that event as pleasant as possible. So the next time that they come to our city, that they would utilize my product and my service at my location. Go ahead, Doc. Uh, give me your two cents on that. Well, in, in terms of the, the, the vendor setup, if that's what you're saying, right? I'm not, not only from the vendors, but the small business owners who may have the shops and everything, not only around the stadium area, but j- just throughout Jackson that people go, let, let, let's be real. So that's going to be people going People go into the they liquor stores, people go into the gas, people go into the gas station, people go, go to fast food restaurants, they're going to go to sit down restaurants, uh, you, people going to be flying in, renting cars. You got people at the hotels. You got people going to be cleaning the hotels. That's going to be a lot of commerce going on this weekend with with 60,000 expected in the stadium. You're probably going to have another twenty five to 30,000 outside the stadium. So we're talking anywhere from eighty to 100,000 people that are going to be in the area surrounding this football game. That's what I'm talking about, to make sure that those small businesses in that community, you talked about them, the dollars and them giving back, but I also need for them to make sure that they give out good service. And I'm, and, and I'm not taking a shot at Jackson's, not saying that any business there has bad no, service you're just talking about like that. I'm just talking about it in general because I have been to certain cities and y'all know all, y'all know these 60,000 people coming. Hey, I understand there's a staffing shortage, 
But B, you know, there's just certain minimum expectations that I give. If I'm going to spend my hard-earned dollars in your establishment, that's just a minimum level expectation that I I have to have. Now, it, now I want to get the best, but you got to at least meet my minimum. That's when I'm getting that done. Oh, for sure. Um, when you talk about that, there, there's multiple layers to that. Let me make sure I share that out first. Is that those businesses let's be frank some of those businesses are going to have their best uh weekend of the year um, they'll make their whole year budget based on one weekend in regards to what happens and will make their business bottom line and be able to survive in a lot of ways and, and in some cases they'll be able to thrive and make you know literally christmas money if they would uh and so it's important that if you want that continued service uh and you are expectation that you want to be a part of good good businesses that you get good service and part of being good services is going to tie back to not only the alumni giving but the businesses have to give to the institution you can't take all this in and not support and so that's also important for the alumni to start asking those questions you know are you supporting jackson state university and how can you show me that i don't want to just hear yes we are how do you show me that you're supporting jackson state university so the you know the alumni the fans need to be smart and the university has to be you know sharp along with the athletic department and almost having a list if you really want to be good about this having a list preferred event, like a preferred vendor list just a, yeah just like a preferred vendor list these are your preferred vendors that we ask you to share your resources with that support us directly so you need to get very business-like about this whole approach to this and making sure that all those involved are saying, hey, this is just not a willy-nilly, you know, everybody get on the train and have a kumbaya and take advantage of it. This needs to be strategic in terms of what you look like and saying, hey, these are the 10, 15 businesses that have supported us over the years in these different ways. We ask you to go support them. This is a great time for that, right? Um, and so, that's part of what that this whole business thing is about is understanding how do you get uh businesses to support you and continue to support you um and then you need to look at those businesses that that shut down and you need to make to them which is fine uh and make sure that you don't support them not only this weekend but any other weekend you need to make sure that information is out there that you have businesses that are not operating in good faith in regards to supporting you so you have to make sure that you're communicating the process and the plan. But absolutely, there are going to be some businesses that are going to do really well this weekend, and they need to make sure that the services is up to par um, to support those that are supporting them and spending their dollars with you, frankly, even more so. Yeah. And that's why we call him the dean of HBCU sports. He just gave our lecture for the day. This. Let's see, it was extra credit this morning. So what, what would you call that lecture right there, Dr. Kavir? We did our extra credit this morning. What was this, be a study session? Yeah, this is a study session. <laughs> office hours. Office hours on the BCSA Sports Wrap. But, Doc, we, we done nerded out for the last 30 minutes. We need to get back into some football, man. So coming up after this break, man, we are going to talk about – I'm going to put my rankings on you this time. You know, you always give it to me on Tuesdays, uh, Dr. Kavir's poll – we're going to let you react to the BCSN computer ranking and let, let you tell me whether I need to go out and give me a new Mac or not. 
or whether I could go ahead and uh, keep this back that I've paid all this money for. And also, we're going to get into some of the matchups that are coming up this Saturday outside of Jackson State and Southern that you need to keep an eye on. You're, you're watching and listening to the BCSN Sports Wrap. A.D. Drew, Dr. Cavill sitting in. Now Dr. Cavill is sitting in for Brian Fulford, who – let me get this right. Dr. Cavill sitting in for Kelvin Carter, who was originally sitting in for Brian Fulford. I think I got that right. Let me get out of here before I mess something else up. We'll be right in just a moment. You see Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology, protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield, never not working. This is the dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Charmin Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll everybody <laughs> we all go why not enjoy the go with Charmin if you think all pads are exactly the same think again this is always ultra thins reinvented with the always triple protection system this pad wicks gushes 90% faster absorbs even more so you can feel dry and locks odors in rethink your pad for up to 100% leak free and odor free comfort with the totally reinvented always ultra thins this is always like never before. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. We're back on the Sunday Night Live edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. Got the dean of HBCU Sports, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, sitting in for my partner, Brian Fulford. Earlier, we had Kelvin Carter on here, who also sat in for my partner, Brian Fulford. Dr. Cavill, my brother, my brother. We at BCSN have a supercomputer. That supercomputer is what we do. <laughs> unlike what unlike what you guys do over there at inside the HBCU Sports Lab, what we do on HBCU Pro Sports Media, Box to Roll, and everybody else, 
We spit these numbers into a computer. We've got an algorithm, and they spit out who is the top rank. Why did we do that? We wanted to take as much of the human element out of this as we could. Plus, Dr. Kavir, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little bit of a stat nerd. So this just gives me something to uh, to input into the computer and see what the computer uh, pulls out. You know, I spent that money on an economics degree. I got to use it for something, Dr. Kavir. So there you this go. is what I decided right. to use it on right now. So with, with that being said, we're going to start off with the non-division one computer rankings. Right now, I end the hunt teams. Fayetteville State, 6-2, 5 and 184 points out of the CIAA. Last week, they defeated Johnson C. Smith, 21-13. Uh, this week, they host Shaw for Senior Day. Got Virginia State, 5-3, 4-2 in conference. They defeated Elizabeth City State, 34-12. And this week, they traveled to Lincoln of Pennsylvania. They have 179 points, according to the BCSN computers. And by Tuskegee, Golden Tigers, on a uh, five-game winning streak. That actually should be 6-2 uh, and two, six and two now. They're 4-0 four, they're four and oh in the SIAC. Excuse me. Yes, that is correct. They're 5-2. Yeah, no, 6-2. 4-0 in the SIAC. This, they defeated... Uh, Clark, this is a this is an old graphic that was not updated. They defeated uh, Lane this past weekend, thirty-five to thirty-one, and they have Kentucky State this upcoming week. Got to do a better job of updating the graphics, Doctor Kabir. I apologize about that. Anyway, let's it go on. Number, f- number five. From out there in Oklahoma, our forgotten HBCU, the Langston Lions, uh, <laughs> six and one, five and one in conference, 185 points out of the Sooner Athletic Conference. They defeated Ottawa, Arizona, 44-38. That game was in overtime, and this week they host Louisiana Christian. Coming in at number four is the Fort Valley State Wildcats. They are seven and one, four and one. In conference, 193 points in the SIAC. They defeated Clark Atlanta 41-21 this past week. And they have Savannah State in a neutral site game at the Bacon Central City HBCU Football Classic. Oh, my God. That was a lot to say. And <laughs> once again, got got another, got, got another typo. Uh, last week, they defeated Savannah State. This week, Albany State has uh, lost, lost my schedule. Albany State has got the I believe they have. Oh, they've got Morehouse. Uh, Morehouse travels to Albany State this weekend for their final home game. That will be seen today. Uh, coming in at number two, no surprise, the Benedict Tigers. Coming in at number two, they're 8-0, 6-0 in conference. They defeated uh, Boerhaus, 35-0. And after going to three other homecomings this month, Dr. Kavir, that's three homecomings in the last four weeks, they finally get to host their own homecoming as they've got uh, the Clark Atlanta Panthers coming in for homecoming. And coming in at number one is Virginia Union, 8-0, 6-0. 
296 points. They defeated Lincoln PA 45-20. Had a good Shawan team coming in for Senior Day up there in Richmond, Virginia. And there you have it, Dr. Kavir. Here are the, the five all on one screen for you. So, Dr. Kavir, as you take a look at that, what do you say about my computer? Can I keep it or do I need to go ahead and put it in the recycle bin, Dr. Kavir? I think I'm allowing you to keep it. I will say this, that when you compare it to the poll that I put together, the top five teams, I think, are pretty solid. We have the same top five teams. We have same the order? same. No, that's what I was doing. Okay. Two. Three, four, and five is a little different order. So we can get into that mix a little bit. But I also want to say that the computers are, are, are right on the money, at least the way I see it, with the top two teams. So the discrepancy is from three to five. And I'll tell you the difference. And it's not a lot there, but it is some difference. I have Albany State, if you would, at number five, uh, okay. with them coming in. Um, now moving to uh, six and two. So this is last week. So there might be some changes because the poll comes out on Tuesday. But I'm looking at last week. I do know those teams stayed in the top five in terms of cool ranking, but um, they might change a little bit. But from last weekend, which all these teams won, so it's not going to be a lot of changes, as I said. But I see Albany State, Golden Rams, in terms of uh, those people there, no first place votes. Um, uh, with uh, 60 points. And number four, Langston is in the place. So I have Albany where you have them three, I have them five. Uh, Langston where you have them five, I have them four. And then I have Fort Valley State where you have four, I have them at number three. Uh, neither of them have first place votes. That only goes to the top two teams, but they do have 82 points. Now, Fort Valley moved last week uh, where they were five the previous week, right? All the way up uh -huh. to number three. Um, Langston, because their loss dropped to number four. And Albany State, obviously, from their loss, dropped from four to five. So that's a little bit about the poll here that you see in your computer rankings. It may not uh, count a loss, depending on who it is, as hard as a fans and voters would in the poll rankings. Uh, if your last game is a loss, oftentimes they will count it a little more uh, harder on you versus than what a computer ranking because it's taking all the numbers in the matrix and putting together. It's not looking so much and saying, hey, when you had the loss, all it's calculating is the number of losses, not necessarily when. So that's one of the things that I do like about the human element that it takes, in fact, in terms of when you lost um, uh, versus and how you lost. not only uh, who you lost to in the style that you lost, which the computer will take a fact a little bit about that because they'll look at the strength of schedule in terms of who you Correct. lost to. So it does have an algorithm in there. So I like that. So we do have a computer component in our poll. It's just a percentage of it uh, with the human element having a larger percentage. I got you. I got you. Now, Dr. Kavir, this is where we may have, where you may be able to come with some of the professorship and give my computer a argument now keep in mind Dr. <laughs> it's hard to argue with the machine but i've seen people do it so i, I just want to put that out now, i'm not gonna argue with the machine i, I gotta make sense I'm just <laughs> you just gonna argue with the inputter <laughs> no, I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna pull the plug and then i go oh. the person to input the 
<laughs> All right, let's see. Let's see if you got any arguments on this one. All right, sure. Our in the hunt teams: North Carolina Central, five and two, one and one, hundred ninety-five points. Southern, Woo. five and two, three and one, hundred eighty-nine points. Alabama State, coming off the bye, they're four and three, three and one, hundred and eighty-five points. Not a lot of difference between those three in the hunt teams. Before we move to the top five, Doctor Gaville. Uh, tell me what you think about those three teams right there as our in the hunt teams, and who you may think you may see in that top five now that you've seen these three. I'm gonna be fascinated to see who you got in the top five. It's probably gonna be like a North Carolina A&T or a Tennessee State because they probably have more weighted versus Southern that has the two non-FCS teams on their schedule. While Tennessee State would have one, I think A and T had one uh, versus the two, and then both of those teams had Division Two. While Southern had a NIA uh, team on the program, and, and Lynch, then they had a program that is not even measured in terms of what we call unaffiliated Virginia Lynchburg. Um, so that's probably going to be some things there. Human element, we put, put put more value in terms of who you played because it's a week-to-week thing, and it will be adjusted. At some point, you'll get a chance to play somebody good and prove your worth. For example, what's going to take place this weekend with Southern Trials to Jackson State, um, and we will get uh, the eye test of a good team, if you would, at least measured in the rankings. We know it, or at least what we call a top-10 team, even if they're outside uh, of the top five, um, to – what many people perceive to be the number one team for most, just about most polls out there. We'll see if that holds true for the computer rankings here. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who the top five, because then I'll tell you my top five. I think we will be able to get into some more earnest dialogue on this one, particularly when I see that you have two of the teams that I have in the top five, at least last week. Um, and I can tell you this week, uh, that even though North Carolina Central lost the way they lost on the road, that they're not going to, likely fall out of the top five. So it's going to be fascinating to see uh, what that looks like because I have at least two differences already off the bat in terms of the top five rankings. I I agree with you. Alabama State is outside of it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, got to agree with some. All right. Well, here we go, Dr. And you are absolutely correct. North Carolina A&T is in the top five. North Carolina A&T State coming in with – 195 points after their victory over a uh, lonely Robert Morris team. And what's interesting is Campbell gets to do two homecomings in a row, two HBCU homecomings in a row, as they go to G-Ho. That's the greatest homecoming on earth, for those of you all who do not know. Shout out to Jamie Walker of of, uh, Black College Sports Network. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, Campbell will travel to – uh, Greensboro for G-Ho this week. So that's our number five team, Dr. Kavir. Coming in at number four out of the Ohio Valley Conference is Tennessee State. Three and four, two and oh in conference though. Two of those three wins have been in conference. 205 points. They defeated Eastern Illinois 37-17 and for all intents and purposes, Dr. Kavir, they should get this victory this week against Birdie State. Here's where the surprise comes, Dr. Kavir. Number three, 
Florida A&M, uh, after the bye week, uh, did not move because North Carolina Central was our number two team last week. So they stayed at number three. FAMU is five and two, three and one. They had a bye this week. They've got Arkansas Pine Bluff coming in with the interim coach for homecoming. Y'all, y'all see how that was going to work out for you there for the Golden Lions. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. Y'all going to see how we hope that's going to work out there for the Golden Lions <laughs> as I put my fam you hat on uh, for you. So, Dr. Kavir, that means we have a, a new number two team. And this team is actually entering the computer rankings for the first time this year. That being the South Carolina State Bulldogs at 3-4, 211 points as they defeated Central 26-24 at home. And don't sleep on Morgan State. They will be tested against Morgan State and Coach Damon uh, Wilson. is uh, One thing I know about this Damon Wilson-led team, they may have the cornerbacks that can play with a guy named Shaq Davis, as they have some taller cornerbacks there at Morgan State. And the most anticlimactic portion of the poll, Dr. Cavill, is our number one team, that being, that being <laughs> Jackson State. 6-0, 4-0, 268 points, defeated Campbell, 22-14, and they host Southern on senior night this Saturday. So Jackson State's actually 7-0. So Dr. Cavill. Here's the master sheet. Let me go back over these in reverse order. Uh, A&T is five, Tennessee State four, FAMU three, South Carolina State two. The I love is number one, Dr. Kavir. L- let me have it. A pregnant pause is never good coming from a professor. I just want y'all to know that. I I, I know that for being, in, for being in school too long. A pregnant pause is never good after a presentation. That means exactly. either you wild the hell out of them or they you came up with something like, you're going to have to really explain that one to me for me to give you a grade. I think I know which yeah, way we're leaving this on is, this. This is wild. You have two, <laughs> not just one, you have two teams with a loser record in the top five. I, I refuse to put losing teams in the top five points. That just makes no sense to me. I mean, you got to win. And and uh, both of these teams, one of their wins are against uh, less than FCS programs. So they're getting credit, which is amazing to me when you think about South Carolina State. Where was North Carolina Central last week in the top five? Completely? North Carolina Central dropped from two no. to okay, essentially two number last six. Week. Yes. Wow. So think about this now in terms of computer records. We're going to have to go check out some of these algorithms in there and tighten them up. A <laughs> we got a team that was at home taking on the number two team. They beat them by two points at home with a losing record, and they jumped to number two. That's wild to me. Yeah. And even my phone I, and- is like, man, wake everybody up. Like, this is news. <laughs> I don't understand his computer ringing. He's trying to get it. So that's been. Then you got Tennessee State that lost. Not only did they play a Division II, but they lost at home to a Division II team. And they find their way after they win two games, including one of them against a team that was essentially winless. Uh, they find their way into the ranking. 
uh, I don't get it. I can see. I don't even. I don't even believe Tennessee State will be in the top ten rankings uh, as I see next week. I think they'll be receiving votes. They get another victory, go to five hundred, and a couple other teams lose. I can see them jumping in the top ten. Uh, but for them to jump in the top five is just amazing to me with the losing record. And I'm like, wow, how does that happen in terms of that? So last week's poll I had, and obviously the team's lost, so just to give some people some things to think about. I had last week Southern Jaguars at 4-2. Uh, obviously they win this weekend, so uh, they're not going to drop down in this week's poll. Then you had Delaware State that was 4, that were 4-2. and two. Where was Delaware State last week? Were they ranked in the top five? Now? Delaware State, I believe, was four or five last week. They right. Four All right. So they fall out, and that's how they made room. So I can see that. I can see Delaware State after their loss on the road that they fall out of the top five uh, in the human poll rankings this week. So I can agree with you there. FAMU, that was not really a surprise to me. I had FAMU ranked three last week. Um, so I can see FAMU actually jumping up to two after North Carolina Central lost um, in terms of that. They're on, what, a five-game win streak, four-game win streak, yeah. uh, playing yeah, really five. well in terms of what they get done, five. Um, and so even though they were off this week, they'll get a chance to make a statement against Southern uh, that will probably still be in the top ten. Certainly if they win, it'll be top five. Even if they lose, depending on how they lose, you got to imagine that they'll be at least top ten. They might fall out of the top five if they lose bad. Got to take care of UAPB before we get to Southern, though. Yes. UAPB this week, Southern next week. No, I was talking about with them. After this week, they'll play Southern. And um, FAMU this week has UAB. Even though they got a new coach, I don't see that as a problem, especially with a week off of FAMU homecoming. Um, They would just have to really have a turn. Both teams actually coming off a bye. Right. But one of them is coming off a bye with the new coach. They just coach, yes. got the call that they would be a new coach on, what, Monday, Tuesday this week? Um, yeah. So there's not going to be a lot of changes there. You might get a little pep with the new guy, but my understanding, you know, the players learned about this by the phone, so it wasn't like they were asking for it, and they were pretty close uh, to the coach. So I can't see that much of a lift in terms of the coach coming in. So it would be fascinating to see, but I, I just can't see Pine Bluff getting well against FAMU on the road. Uh, if you would in terms of that. And then North Carolina Central. um, It'll be interesting to see if they fall out of the top five. It's hard for me to believe that you fall out of the top five when you go on the road um, and lose to a team like South Carolina State that a lot of people think are really solid. The way you lost. essentially had a chance to win. Yeah, they had a chance to win the game. So it's hard for me to see them necessarily dropping out of the top five. So those are the things that kind of stand out to me in the poll rankings, the computer. And, again, that's what happens when you take out the human element. All it just sees is pure data and numbers. And it can shift it anywhere. And so it doesn't care. It's going to plug and chug. It's going to take away the fact that your wins are not against FCS. It's not going to worry so much about losses to non-FCS. So you get pure just numbers. From that standpoint, I can see why it did what it did. But, um, I, I yeah, I'm – I'm fascinated about this week. Usually I'm pretty good. And, and, I think y'all do pretty on it for the But this week I'm like, wow. And 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 let me explain this. A couple of things. Let me unplug the uh, computer. <laughs> <laughs> the, the computer does uh 
factor in the level of the competition, whether you play the FBS, FCS, D2, or NAIA, or what's hurt in Southern this uh, this time, the fact that they played an unaffiliated team in uh, uh, UVA Lynchburg. So it, it does make adjustments for, for those things. But the one thing that this form that does, uh, I, I, what did Coach Connell Baylor say? I get paid to win conference championships, correct? Did he say something? He I'm said. paraphrasing. Paraphrasing, but that's said. pretty much what he said. They don't correct? pay me to they don't pay me to win those games. They pay me to win conference games. That's right. Well get guess what our computer does? Our computer expects these teams to win conference games. So when you go back and look at it, when when you look at the conference record of four of the five teams in our top five. They're undefeated in their conference. Now, granted, South Carolina State only has one data point, but <laughs> they've got a win percentage of, of, of 100. So the computer recognizes that win percent of 100, not only for South Carolina State, yep. Jackson State has a win yep. percent of 100 in conference, Tennessee State has a win percent of 100 in conference, and North Carolina A&T has a win percent of 100 in conference. So for that one metric, all, all four of those teams are exactly the same. With Florida and them coming in with a win percent of of seventy five percent, so just kind of taking you behind the numbers a little bit in the rankings. That's how the uh, undefeated conference team, despite being under five hundred overall, our computer metric weighs a little bit more heavier on conference wins versus <laughs> your overall. I like that. See, somebody, somebody smarter always gonna jump in there and, and mess your little computer stuff up. Say Howard is undefeated in the MEAC too. <laughs> yeah, but Howard was too. They are. Howard was but, too far down you know, in the in the rankings. Yeah. <laughs> right, but this is but this is what I would say about. I would not. Um, yeah, I, like I, I, I got two hours computer. of battery, Tabra T. I got two hours of battery, so I, it, it, even if I unplug, <laughs> we're gonna take out the batteries too. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna take out the batteries too. Uh, it did don't make us bring in the back. That's when we really get frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> Take the motherboard. But out. what I would say about that is, is that does make sense what you just said. I, I will say that in terms of um, understanding analytics, at least from this perspective, is that if that is in your formula, it does make sense. This is where I would push back. Also, as a data analytic, that means that variable is weighted too high. And so, and, 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 and it possibly could be. So. To go back, and that's the good thing about when you learn about computers, you might not do it this year because you want it, uh, you know, to Same be system. symmetric throughout the year, right? But one of the things now that you go back and see is Twitch, the metric. And so I think one thing you may want to consider is the weighted variable you have for how you do in conference uh, measures in terms of conference wins such that it wouldn't skew it. And that's me from my perspective <laughs> saying why those teams are higher than what I would put them because that metric has skewed towards the weighted variable. And it could have been what you wanted, but that's why I would say it would be off for one thing to consider. Yeah. and I love and, you this know, kind of conversation. Uh, I can do this all day, man. Yeah. Data analytics. We can. And, and, and the thing is, if Dr. Bill and I were to get into this conversation on a serious matter, because we have a fun with it right now, we would we would nerd most of y'all out of bore uh, bore a lot of you all. With, right, yeah, uh, everybody. Because like, right, because so we we've had some of these conversations off camera and uh, behind the scenes, but we talked about uh, different things like that when it comes to data analytics. 
that that's why that's why Dr. Gavir does what he does with the data analytics, and he's a he's a paid consultant. He he does his stuff for a living. I do it for fun. He does it for a living. Now, if you need somebody to help out with a paycheck, brother, you know my phone number. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I like that. Yeah, uh, Dr. Gavir, before we get out of here. Uh, any particular matchups that you're looking forward to this upcoming week? Let's start off in the uh, let's start off in the non-division ones first, if you would, Doctor Cavill. Uh, any any matchups there? SIAC, CIAA, NAIA matchups that you particularly looking forward to this week? I'm gonna go into that SIAC first with Tuskegee and Kentucky State. Um, that potentially depend on what everybody votes coming into. You know, Tuskegee's gonna be top ten. Uh, but there's a chance that uh, Kentucky State, uh, based on their last win and a couple of wins they had, that they could jump into the top ten with some of those other teams losing this past week, including Bowie State, which was a tough loss, right? Lane with their loss. They might fall out of the top ten with those loss, and Kentucky State may jump in there. So that means that you would have a top ten matchup that basically is uh, going to decide who is coming out of the West Division at SIEC. Obviously, there's another game left, so some things can change just slightly. But for the most part, whoever wins this game really has, is in the driver's seat in regards to who's going to win the West. So that's the game I think you should have focus on. Both teams are playing really well. Um, uh, Tuskegee has to go on the road. They just got a huge road win against Lane, so they're going to be confident in that game. And then Kentucky State, in terms of what they've been able to do the last couple of years, even though it's a new coach, they're going to be comfortable, and they want to make that step to get into the SIC championship and take their chances with Benedict. It looks like it's going to come out of the East in terms of what they're going. Um, and so that's fascinating to me. I have an eye out on that uh, Fort Valley State-Savannah State game that you talked about a little bit earlier, keep your eyes on. And it's less in terms of, obviously, the conference race, but more in terms of what this may mean in terms of the last game, which were Fort Valley and Albany State. Both of them come in there winning. The winner of that game probably is going to be very strong to get the Division II playoff assertion in terms of being in that top six. And so I think that's a really important matchup. And so I kind of have my eyes on that. That's more as a fan just to see how many HBCU teams can get in the playoff, what that looks like. So I'm focused on that. Obviously, uh, we think so highly of Virginia Union, number one in our polls uh, in most people's pick. But they have a big game this weekend, and it's for the Northern Division. So Juan can win this game, then they can find a way and sneak in, uh, for a lack of better words, to the CIAA because if both teams went out in that, they would have the head-to-head matchup and both of them would be with one loss. They would go to the championship game instead of Virginia Union, which would be crazy for most people to even think about. But that's the game I have my eyes on. Juwan got a big win, surprised most people over – the Bulldogs of Bowie State, uh, so they obviously playing really well. Um, they do have that conference loss earlier and don't come in necessarily with a record that was uh, paused, but just because the way it's set up in the divisional race, this all of a sudden becomes an extremely important game. So this is another game that I have at the mid-major level focus. Obviously, Layson got the big comeback win, and so just because I want to see if they can continue to win out, which will put them in pretty good position to see about getting the NIA bid. I quietly have my eyes over there as well. But those are the teams I say watch out for. My biggest eye is going to be on uh, Kentucky and Frankfurt, Kentucky, in terms of that Kentucky State-Tuskegee uh, matchup. 
All right. Uh, what what about for the Division One or FCS or major, as you like to call them, there at, inside the HBCU Sports Lab? Thank you. Yeah, in terms of that, obviously the big game that everybody should have your eyes on. I told you the fans need to be there uh, for uh, college game day. Uh, from 8 to 11, they need to be loud with the signs, the colors on, making sure everybody knows the presence of Jackson State and Southern around the nation of how big this rivalry game is. And it's a good one. Uh, Southern is playing really well of late, being able to score, second scoring in, uh, in the conference in a lot of ways. Both teams are ranked high uh, in terms of the conference. F, uh, FCS division, Jackson State is up there on the defensive side. We know what Shador can do. This is a classic matchup between these two teams. And let me put this on the table, that this is similar to what we just talked about, that Virginia Union and Shawan game. Uh, this could have implications, not only in terms of who goes to the championship game, but it could be also who hosts the championship game. Who would have thought that the way that Jackson State was playing? Almost everybody saw de facto that not only Jackson State would be in the championship game, but they would most likely host the championship game as they try to get back to the celebration bowl. And it looks like now they might have a chance at a revenge game against South Carolina State, uh, with, according to the poll rankings, was an upset, even though many Bulldog fans thought that they would go in there uh, and at home at least and get that win against the Eagles of North Carolina Central. So that is a game that I really will be focused on for many different reasons. Um, in the uh, suite, as I'm down there at Prairie View, watching Prairie View host Bethune-Cookman, that also has an eye on that game in terms of them wanting to find a way to get back and take another shot at Jackson State. If Jackson State wins that game, all of a sudden Southern has two losses. And Prairie View, if they win, vote back into first place alone with just one loss and have all the cards in the deck in terms of finish out the season with Alcorn coming in there the following week. So it's still a very tight race. And just to talk about a team behind the scene that is quietly looking at what's going on. Oh yeah, you got the Magic City Classic with Alabama State Hornets and Alabama A&M Bulldogs, which is another game that's probably gonna have 50,000 plus fans along with the game in Jackson. Uh, but this game is also important in terms of a new coach. Uh, Maynard has his team playing well. He wants to get the 500 overall. He wants to continue to chase and have a shot at Jackson State in a couple of weeks in Mobile. He only has one loss in terms of the Bulldogs. So they're not out of the race. They would have the head-to-head -head tiebreaker if they can win out. Uh, and Jackson State only has the one loss. So that's a game that's important to keep your eyes on in a lot of ways as well. So a lot of things going on next week that you cannot take your eyes off the ball in terms of what's going on there. And quietly, I think that all coin grambling game is going to be intriguing. All coins certainly can't take another loss. There's some scenarios where possibly with two losses, they can still find their way in the game, but they can't afford another loss. They have to win out. But Grambling is always a tough place when you talk about historical factors for the Braves to go in there and try to get that win. So just because of that, in terms of a rivalry aspect, I quietly have my eyes looking over there to see if Grambling can right the ship and get their conference win. They're playing much better. We saw what they did a couple of weeks ago against FAMU and all but had that win, couldn't get it done. So I'm 
fascinating to see can they get over that hump, proverbial hump, and get that win. And then obviously you go into the MEAC, uh and the game I have there uh, in terms of the matchup is fascinating to me in a lot of ways. It's not necessarily the South Carolina State and Morgan State game. Um, that is interesting just to see if South Carolina can continue to win. Uh, but you probably see them find a way to get that. It is on the road, so I guess you pause. But the other game is North Carolina Central and Delaware State. That's still probably going to be two top ten teams. Both of them have one conference loss. So whoever loses this game is certainly out of it. It's done. You know, you would a question with one. Uh, but certainly with two, you're done. Delaware State, although they have one loss, they still have South Carolina State ahead of them. So if they could be the team to give South Carolina State the one loss and they keep with one loss, they would have the head-to-head tiebreaker. So they certainly can't afford to lose this game. So it's going to be fascinating to me who can find a way to keep themselves in the race between North Carolina Central and Delaware State after both teams uh, were upset, uh, at least in terms of the poll rankings, in terms of those teams both being top five teams at the time in many people's poll rankings, certainly our poll rankings, they were both told. And even in the computer rankings, as you said, both of those teams were top five. So that's going to be fascinating because one of those teams with a loss is likely to fall out of the top 10 after two weeks of going from top five to out of the top 10. That's going to be fascinating talking points, especially if it's Delaware State. They probably fall out. Uh, North Carolina Central has a little more room for error, so they might still fall yeah. away. But two straight losses, uh, you're talking about ruining the season for sure. And it also takes um, North Carolina Central out of any hopes of an FCS the playoffs playoff if they lose this game. If they're able to win out and can't find a way to get some help from South Carolina State, they still can position themselves potentially for a playoff, particularly if New Hampshire continues to do well in the Colonial the team they beat that was top 25 that is moving up the rankings uh, in terms of what they do. They would have that win. So if they can find a way to sit at nine and two at the end of the season in regards to that, it'll be fascinating to see what that looks like. So I think that is a fascinating matchup. Um, obviously in terms of the independent, you see why they call me the professor and the doctor because I love them all. You got to con- see if Tennessee state can justify being top five in the computer rankings. They need to win. You'd imagine they're going to win this weekend because they play Murray State, and I don't think Murray State has a win on the season, if I'm not uh, mistaken. I think there's something as uh, 0-8. Like 0-7 or something like that, yeah. Yeah, 0-8, I think, overall, and then 0-3 in the race. So Tennessee State gets a chance to get to 500, go to 3-0, and and then they find themselves in a really good position the following week uh, to make things interesting when they will play Southeast Missouri, who is currently at 6-1. and um, you would imagine that Southeast Missouri has a chance to win uh, next week as they play Eastern Kentucky four and three. So you could talk about a 500 team, three and zero in Tennessee State facing a three and zero Southeast Missouri team that would come in at seven and one. So that's a big matchup. So Tennessee State has to get it done this week to make that game mean anything the following week in terms of what that matchup. So I have my eyes on that, and obviously the second biggest independent, or really the biggest independent matchup. Is North Carolina A&T in the Big South in terms of them playing Campbell. We saw Campbell show why they are certainly a big-time caliber uh, opponent in terms of what they were able to do to a top-10 team in Jackson State, even though some of that was inflicted by Jackson State not being able to score in the red zone. A 
a problem that they've had all season long. We'll see if it ever hurts them uh, in terms of not being able to cash in on the points. The big thing that I think you talked about earlier in the show that I really like that you brought out is that they've updated, graded their kicker, and they're at least able to get three points out of that, which is putting them in place to win those games. So with, um, I think it's going to be fascinating when you talk about that uh, Campbell going into the greatest homecoming on earth, the second homecoming. They got experience with a hostile environment, an HBC program. Well, that helped them more so in a conference game. So I'm fascinated to see what North Carolina A&T that has been playing lights out over the last couple of weeks uh, in terms as they have righted their ship, it seems, four and three, and want to hold on to a championship in their last season in terms of football in the Big South. Obviously, all their other sports are already in the Colonial with not getting much respect in terms of men's or women's basketball. That's another conversation and being drugged in a lot of ways in volleyball as well. But with that being said, that would be my final game that I keep my eyes on at the FCS level. Fascinating what's going on there. Obviously you can poke a little eye over there with FAMU, their homecoming just because it's fun. But I, I, I don't see them having any problem with Pine Bluff, the Golden Lions. I'll be I'll be in Tallahassee for a homecoming, and uh, I'll be watching that. Then got a side eye on the Tuskegee Kentucky uh, State game. And uh, before we get out of here, Doc, you you mentioned uh, some some of those scenarios in the BAC. But wouldn't it be just like the BAC for uh, all those teams to finish five and one or four? Uh, 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 four uh, let's see. Five and one, you have to go. No, yeah, four and one or three, three and two. Delaware State, South Carolina State, and North Carolina Central for those three to finish. Uh, four and one. Four and one. Yeah, uh, and then you got to go to a three uh, scenario with look, Delaware State beating look, South Carolina. It's the B Act. Yeah, it's the B Act. Anything uh, can happen. Central to the beating Delaware State, uh, but South Carolina State being Central. Yeah, that'd be fascinating to see. And both ways, I think. Uh, will do well for the Eagles because of the point differential in those games, and uh, they probably would likely be ranked higher in any of the rankings that are oh. out there. They would probably give them the nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, but like we said, that would be so miackish. Uh, and, and flipping <laughs> over to the uh, to the Swack West, Doctor Cavill, and and I've said it. I don't know if I've said it on your show, but I've said this a couple of times. Notice everybody in the Slack West already has one loss. Go ahead and mark my word. Everybody in the Slack West will have at least another loss before this season is over with. The best record that you're going to get out the Slack West champion is going to be a 6-2 and two record. And it would not surprise me, Dr. Gavir, if we've got multiple teams in the Slack West tied at 5-3 and three at the end of the season. And we got to go about three or four tiebreakers into into the the SWAC office before we figure out who's going to be traveling to, uh, to the SWAC East champions. I think we, I I, re- I really see that much parity in the SWAC West that a five and three record with a with a two or three way tie, and somebody's going to have to become the, the champion on paper in order to go and play the uh, the SWAC East uh, opponent for the SWAC championship. I think that's a little harder uh, for you to get the Miakish in the Swackish to become the Swackish if you will, uh, in the Western Division using your framework and everything. And the reason is, is I, I think the schedule for Prairie View 
um, unless they really um, fall apart this weekend. You know, three of their three of their four opponents have losing records and not playing really good football. Um, and they have two of them on the road, which makes it a little tougher. But they have Valley, Pine Bluff, and Bethune-Cookman. The strongest opponent they have is Alcorn, which is at home uh, on that Friday night. So I think it'll be interesting to, uh, to see if they get the three losses. Now, a couple of other teams, Southern, Alcorn, uh, just because of the strength of the schedule and Texas Southern for that, I can see them ultimately with three losses. But it, it'll be intriguing to see if that happens to uh, Prairie View. I can see Prairie View kind of sneaking in the back door. Six and two. Say with six and two, uh, finding a way back to the championship game. And the other three teams just on the outside looking in because they're all at five and three. Yeah. But, but Dr. Field, and we'll get out of here on this. How many times in the SWAT have we seen that team who should win go on the road to somebody and wind up losing on the road? Freak injury, uh, controversial call, anything, anything happens, especially – when you on the road. So, and the, the trap game that I see for Prairie View, and I don't know what order they play it, but them traveling all the way to Bethune. It's just something about that trip from Texas to Florida it's that the, I see. Bethune, as a, I would agree with that, but Bethune game is this weekend. It's homecoming. And it's Bethune coming to Prairie View. It's the okay. I thought the they traveled too. Man. on the road. So that's what I'm saying. The, you know, arguably two okay, I got gotcha. you least resistant teams that are not playing really well right now, those are the teams they have on the road. So Prairie View schedule, and that's what I told. Remember when I told everybody, look at your schedule at the very beginning yeah. of the season? Now, I was wrong about Prairie View, and I said they had the easy schedule in terms of, of surprising some folks, but I didn't think they would take it to a highly, but they started off so hot. Now the schedule is likely to play in favor. They got the toughest opponent, you know, with a game between Cookman and so I always telling it. Coming there, they got them for homecoming, and then they got all court at home on a Friday night. Um, but the other two, Valley and Pine Bluff, who they got on the road. Now, like you said, anything can happen. But at that but point, what they're going to be really focused because they're going to have all the chips in their own pocket. And that's why I said that becomes difficult for them to see them losing those games at the end. Would it be swackish if, if Prairie View goes to Valley and Valley gets the only win? Against Prairie View, I'm gonna get out of here on that with Doctor Kabir. I just had to throw that out there at you because <laughs> I know I know you I know your Prairie View alone. Hey, Doctor Kabir, tell everybody where they can uh, where they can find you, uh, find your show, and what we may have coming up on inside the HBCU Sports Lab this week. Yes, yeah, uh, Tuesday and Thursday, you can catch us live on Facebook at six o'clock Central Standard Time. Uh, you can get it on demand on YouTube uh, also. Whenever you want, as we post it that night after the show uh, debuts at 6 or 7, 6 o'clock Central Standard Time on Tuesday and Thursdays, we will do our traditional matchup of the HBC News of the Day. Uh, we'll give you the poll rankings on Tuesday, both mid-major and major division. Uh, as we kind of told you what's likely, but we'll give it to you officially. And then we'll get into the second half of the show. We'll look at the mid-major game of the week, and we have some good ones, as we talked about on here. We'll take a deeper dive and see what some other of our colleagues thinks about some of those key matchups. And then uh, the final segment, we will do the major division. We flip over to Thursday. We'll give you uh, some more HBCU news to see what has changed in terms of what it looks like. 
We'll get into the marching sport rankings, which will be interesting this week as we may have some changes. And we'll talk about the big battle, which uh, is the Boombox Classic, as some people have named it, which will, uh, as it did last year, likely feature who's going to really put themselves at the forefront in terms of winning uh, the poll rankings in terms of the marching sport with the Battle of Southern in Jackson State. So Sonic Boom of the South in the jukebox uh, in terms of what we'll get down there. We'll discuss that a little bit, and then we'll get into our final uh, mid-major and major games of the week, which will feature conference games. We'll get into the SIEC game of the week, CIAA game of the week, SWAT game of the week, and then MEAC game of the week, and we might throw a bonus game in there for you uh, just to consider. Uh, and then, obviously, on Sunday, as all the action takes place on Saturday, we'll wrap it up and tell you what our thoughts are on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Central to tell you uh, what happened and then give you a prelude of what to expect in the upcoming week as well. So that's our full lineup. Excited to give you a chance to kind of plug that. Uh, check us out for those that may not. And if you do, for those lab listeners, appreciate all the support. And go ahead and get those handles out, Dr. Cavill. Dr. Kenyatta Cavill on Facebook, Instagram, uh, as well as Twitter. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, it's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. All right. Uh, catch up right here on the Black College Sports Network. Hey, speaking of the Black College Sports Network, you can catch the audio version of this podcast. Download the BCSN Pod Zone. Available everywhere that you get your podcast, uh, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, uh, Google. Uh, we're all over the place with the podcast. So please download the BCSN Pod Zone. Not only can you find Dr. Kavir's inside the HBCU Sports Lab from this morning, but you'll also be able to find this podcast. Uh, both of those will be uploaded on tomorrow. Also, while you're at it, the best way to keep up with us, though, Dr. Kavir, is to download the BCSN app. Download it to your phone, your tablet, your iPad. Download it. Stay up with us. We have all the games that, that you want to see. Also, while you download the BCSN app, download the HBCU League Pass Plus app also, as we are a great partnership with HBCU League Pass Plus. Uh, BCS is Sports Wrap. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN and the number one. You can hit me up personally, AD Drew, at BCSN Drew. That's at BCSN D R E W on Twitter. Want to thank my first guest, Kelvin Carter, for jumping in, jumping in at the last minute for me. Get, get me through the first hour. Also want to thank you, Dr. Kavir, for jumping in for the, for the second hour. Uh, well, supposed to be the second Yo, Brian, hour to, to the second hour, the hour and a half. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Brian is going to appreciate that for you. Uh, Godspeed to Brian as he's, uh, as he's traveling. He's uh, having to do some things with his uh, family this weekend. Hopefully Brian should be back in the chair uh, next week. Also, you can catch him Wednesday on the ONG Strike Zone as they really will get into it as they'll get into everything you need to know about the FAMU homecoming coming up this weekend. Carlos Brown on Saturday right here on the Black College Sports Network. 
That is from 12 to 2 Eastern. That's 11 to 1 Central. The pregame show comes on at 9.30 Central. Excuse me, 9.30 Eastern, 8.30 Central with a live show on Wednesday. And they'll have their – don't know what their schedule is going to be with – with a college game, they take their normal Saturday morning away from. I don't know if they're still going to do something Saturday morning, if they're going to uh, go to Friday night because of that. But, hey, they'll definitely let you know. And they always drop the new and fresh content out there on the pregame show. And Dr. Kaville, uh, we got some new exciting shows getting ready to come on board with the uh, BCSN family. Make sure you stay tuned to that. So, uh, we just appreciate each and every one of you all for being with us here on the Sports Wrap. So, once again, for Kelvin Carter, Dr. Kenyatta Caville, and my regular partner, Brian Fulford, this is A.D. Drew. Hey, happy homecoming. Let me catch you at 1601 South Martin Luther King in Tallahassee. I'll see you there on Saturday. We'll holler, y'all. Holler. But you must be stay on hard.